from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Let's get it. The ACC men's tournament starts on Tuesday, Joe. Three of the seeds have been set. None of our teams yet, though. Yeah. Because North Carolina and NC State have the ability to tie. If North Carolina wins on Saturday, then it's going to depend on where does Virginia finish? Where does Miami finish? It's all very complicated, but I would just say to you this. If North Carolina wins on Saturday, real good chance they'll be the sixth seed and NC State will be the seventh seed. Duke can still get a double bye. They also need a little bit of help, which is slightly unlikely because it includes Clemson losing. Let me boil this down. Who would play at 930 on Wednesday? That's the sixth seed. You if don't Carolina want wins, it's probably Carolina. You don't want that. Uh, the people who have to cover that game don't enjoy 930, no, 945 would, starts. They, would, they usually don't. I would also make the argument that the 930 slot is usually where some wackiness happens. Go ACC happens. Okay. So you might want to avoid that. If North Carolina gets to Saturday, the ACC championship game. I will drink a 1993 championship Coca-Cola. Because I you, do- are you gonna chill it? I would. I would make it cold. Yeah, I'll put it in the fridge. Okay, I'll put it in the fridge. But that's only if they get to Saturday. If and only if. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. The women's tournament already underway in Greensboro. NC State with a big win over Syracuse, 83-58. Wake Forest with a 65-54 win over Florida State. North Carolina will tip off in about an hour, taking on Clemson. And then that will wrap up with Miami and Boston College. Next up. One, two, three. Canes went out west. They lose to Vegas. Mm -hmm. Martin H is with another unbelievable goal for the Canes. They lost two games in a row. Um... I keep forgetting that the Canes tend to do things in bunches. When they win, they do. They usually reel off like nine or ten. When they lose, though, they usually do lose two or three. Last night happens to be one of those second in a row after the Anaheim clunker. Mm-hmm. Canes lose. Don't take my word for it. We got two minutes from Adam Gold. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. All right, fellas, I got two minutes for two different topics that both have to do with the Hurricanes. Only one of them has anything to do with last night's 3-2 loss in Las Vegas. But a quick check of the standings. Oh, no. The New Jersey Devils are now just one point behind Carolina. The New York Rangers are now just seven points behind Carolina. Uh Uh-oh. Carolina does have a game in hand on the Devils and two games in hand on the Rangers. But those... Objects in the rearview mirror may be closer than they appear. Both the Devils and the Rangers got significantly better at the trade deadline. Carolina, here's the other topic, right? It has nothing to do with the game last night because that had nothing to do with this. Yesse Puliyarvi from Edmonton, who's probably a fourth liner on this team, and Shane Gostisbehar, who actually will have some value, hopefully helping the power play because that's his specialty. Those are the two ads so far. It's not Friday at 3 o'clock yet, so maybe there will be more. And I'm here to tell you that I think there has to be more for Carolina to get an actual bump from the trade deadline. As for last night, 
Goal number one, the stall line in Pesci and Shea was caught on the ice too long, and ultimately Jack Eichel in the slot beat Freddie Anderson, who made himself small by going down too soon. That made it 1-0. The second goal was a breakdown defensively by Brent Burns. No reason to be where you were, sir. And a bad pass from Paul Stasny ended up in a breakaway to Eichel. Bad play. And then, I'm not sure what Calvin DeHaan was thinking. Maybe, hey, Shane Gostisbehere just got my spot in the lineup, but he was in no man's land, and he was responsible for the third goal. On top of that, wasn't great goaltending from Freddie Anderson. Does Don Waddell want to handle that part? Anyway, that's why Carolina lost 3-2. Nothing to do with the trade deadline, which is coming up tomorrow. That's Adam Gold. That's two minutes. And what Adam is referencing is something that I've been banging the table on. Carolina Hurricanes are very confident in the way they go about things. Who am I to say they're wrong? They've had really great regular seasons under Rod Brindamore and Tom Dundon's leadership and Don Waddell's leadership. But the expectations will rise along with it. And the expectations, if you feel like you're in a cup window with this core group, well, then you're going to have to augment that by getting, for lack of a better term, dudes. And the Eastern Conference loaded up on dudes. It's been an active trade week in the NHL, and the Carolina Hurricanes have made two, what you would say, complementary piece moves. They added depth at forward. They added depth on defense. But they didn't add any dudes. And I'm not saying that's going to be the reason why they're out. I think what Adam referenced, Julio, is the bigger issue. What do we know about a fully Freddie Anderson, fully healthy Freddie Anderson in the playoffs? Can he carry the team like we've seen other teams carried be carried by their goalie? That would be a question that we don't know the answer to. Yeah, he to didn't yet. play at all nope. for the Canes last year in the playoffs. And if you, you know, in fairness to the Canes, when we talk about their window and we talk about what they've already done in the playoffs and how they've performed, mm-hmm. and what will they know based on how they've performed? They haven't had a full lineup. If you look at the injuries to Svechnikov, he's sure. kind of been in and out of it. Sure. They haven't had a year where, you know, Anderson's hurt last year. They haven't had a year where, like, they're healthy and everybody's just running hot, you know? Because they get to the playoffs and they kind of stumble around or, you know, Aho the one year doesn't score or, or Svechnikov is hurt the one year. The, the other year, you know, it, Dougie Hamilton all those years where you're like, gosh, this guy's great in the regular season on the power play, but he stinks in the playoffs. All of those things they've dealt with, they've tried to fix. The question for now, facing them now, is can they get everybody on that same page mm-hmm. when the playoffs get going? The other thing that they have to get going is, well, I guess I would say they have to get their power play going, but they need power play opportunities in order to get their power that play going. That is part of, yes, that is part and of the equation. that's been kind of the problem for the Carolina Hurricanes. Their kill is great, but their power play isn't, and a lot of it has to do so the reason I chose William Peace was because of their stellar game design program. It's very rare to find a game design program in the United States at all, let alone North Carolina. And this place seemed like the right place for me for where I wanted to go and the connections I could make uh, within the program. Turn your hobby into a career in one of the highest paid professions in the country with William Peace University's simulation and game design program. Master design, 3D modeling, and programming in a state-of-the-art space with the latest and most remarkable technologies available. Find out more at peace.edu. The fact that they don't get those power play opportunities and Rod Burnamore seems to be at his annual breaking point where the wolf pack is strong in him. I know he had also said that tonight there was only one power play on either side, but it's been a little bit where we've seen a stretch, maybe not a ton of power plays for your group. Has that gotten to be a frustrating point or not quite? It's five years of it. 
I'm, I'm not complaining. Just check the facts. Check the facts. Since we've been doing this, I mean, at some point it's got to even out. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell me. But it's uh, a little bit. It's concerning because you got a you know a game like this, a tight game. You know, there was a couple there for sure. Um, but anyway, that's that's not about this game. This game was us just giving their best player a little too much, and that's can't do that. The only thing missing there is just Rod Burnermore saying Carolina Hurricanes ain't for soft people. What like free throw differentials at this point? It's kind of interesting. Let's go full, full on. <laughs> one other, one other hockey note because this has been going viral on social media today, and it's a clip from first take featuring Stephen A. Smith and Molly Karam, and um, I can't remember. Michael K. Thank you, Dennis. I was trying to like, who is the Yankees play-by-play guy? Yeah, Michael K., who's an ESPN employee. And I guess the question was related to which is the New York team that will win a championship, professional sports team that will win a championship. And Michael K., I guess he's so, like, not in with the Mets or the Yankees or the Knicks, he decides to reference the Rangers. And this did not go over well with Stephen A. Smith. Which team in New York do you think wins a championship next? Rangers. (laughs) Rangers. <laughs> oh Lord! Come on, Patrick Kane they is don't able. Count. They don't count. Take they don't out. count. They don't count. Only thing Stephen I know a. about hockey, hockey is, is that the, the puck is black, okay. and I love you, Gary Bettman. That's my buddy. For, for who I always trip to hockey. Right. It is, no, it is no disrespect to the Rangers and to Patrick Kane, of course, but just just for Steve. Football, a. basketball, baseball. Yeah. Yankees or the Mets. One of those two. Or. Or, right. or one of those two. Are you telling me that you believe that the Mets might win a championship he sooner said than the Yankees? Of course. I didn't, say, I didn't say they would, but they're a You're great the team. You're the voice of the New York Yankees. I'm proud of it, too. 32 years now. Good for you, Long. You don't look it. Thank you. But oh, damn I look, it. I look but, it. But damn it, it's a some good. So there you go. So people, you know, understandably hockey people, are really, really mad about this. Like, this, how's the rights partner for the NHL? On a marquee show, look, couple things. One, I actually respect First Take for not trying to act as though it's a place for hockey. They know their demographic, who's watching First Take, and they know their wheelhouse. And they're not just trying to be like, oh, yeah, no, I really do think the Rangers have a No, I respect Stephen A for just straight up saying, I don't do hockey. So don't come here for hockey analysis. Which gets to my second part, Joe. Who is watching First Take in the history of First Take to get hockey analysis? It's 2023, y'all. ESPN's got hockey people. It's readily available. You want to read Greg Wyshynski? You can. You want to listen to his podcast? You can. You want to check out Emily Kaplan? You can. This stuff's out there for you. Everything's gotten more specialized. So why do you want First Take to talk about it? For what? For you to get mad at it? To go, oh, Stephen A doesn't know what he's talking about. Is that why you want him to talk about hockey? Leave him alone, man. I respect the fact that they straight up said, it's like me with golf. Like, imagine, imagine coming out of the Masters later this year and on a Monday, me going, well, Joe, I really do think that, um, give me a Max Homa did a wonderful job on the green. Is anybody going to take me seriously? I will not know. Okay, so you get my point? Yes. Joe talks golf. Thank you. I really think that uh, 
Fred Funk did an amazing <laughs> job this weekend. There's a name for you, Fred <laughs> Funk. Golly. <laughs> Next up. And uh, I he was really care. working the green. Really, Who number his, two is? His up and down game was amazing this weekend. Who's going to take me seriously? Number, okay, number two. Coach K spoke. Coach K is doing a, a predictable round of media ahead of the Duke Carolina game. Would you say, Joe? Yeah, Spidey senses were tingling. Yeah. I thought it was about that time that we heard from him. Yeah. You know. So Coach K was on with Keyshawn J. Will and Max earlier today. And, you know, Jay's former player, national yeah. champ, all that stuff. They were chopping it up. And uh, Coach K said he, he he was happy to not be coaching. I feel good. I feel good not coaching. Uh, I've had uh, 98 times I, I was in the Duke-UNC game, and it was an honor to be in all of them. Not at the beginning, because Jordan Worthy and those guys were a little bit better than we were. And, uh, no, it's an honor to be in that rivalry, you know, where the – the, the focus of attention for college basketball that day or the day before and the day after is that game. A lot of people feel like North Carolina needs to win this game, a quad one game, to add to their NCAA res- resume. So uh, you're going to have two very hungry teams. You think? Wait, Coach K, bracketologist. I like that. It's Coach, it's Coach K breaking down. He's looking at Get Joey Brackets. Who, of all the bracketologists, who do you think Coach K actually checks out? Jerry Palm? Joe Lenardi, Patrick Stevens. Are there any from Chicago? Uh, well, uh, Jerry Palm's like a Big Ten Chicago okay. area guy. Yeah, there you go. So it must be Jerry Palm, and and he's also like super super short with things, which is probably Kay's speed. Um, he did talk about Shire and his thoughts on where Duke is and in contention in John Shire's first season. John's done a terrific job, but that doesn't surprise me. I know how good John is. And uh, he really understands the game. And, you know, Jay, he, he really develops great relationships with his players. So you can see right now in the, in the last few weeks, because they've had everyone healthy, that they're, they're becoming one and they believe in one another. They really like one another. So I, we got, you know, we have a chance, I think. And he's brought them along really well. That's Mike Krzyzewski on with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. And I don't know, man. Maybe maybe Coach K is going to start his own bracketology. What, what would you – not Bart Torvik, not Ken Palm. What, what would it be? K-Verve? Is that the stat we would use? Definitely Verve. Yeah. Yes. That's that's his metric. This Screw team net. has Verve. Does the team have Verve or not? Where are we on the Verve meter? Next up. Jerry Richardson. Founder of the Carolina Panthers, bringing the NFL to the state of North Carolina, to Charlotte. Passed away at age 86. A complicated legacy. Next. More great news for carry commuters. With the new Go Carry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the Go Carry app, you can easily connect to gocarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the Go Carry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. Go Carry, where getting there is just a tap away. 
Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. Jerry Richardson, Carolina Panthers founder, passed away, age 86. According to a family statement, he died peacefully Wednesday night in his Charlotte home. David Tepper, who bought the team from Jerry Richardson in 2017 because of workplace misconduct and an impending investigation that related to sexual harassment, Also, I believe it involved racial discrimination as well. He was fined $2.75 million for that alleged workplace misconduct, but he ended up selling the team during that time for a record, two, at the time, $2.27 billion. That was in cash from David Tepper. David Tepper saying Jerry Richardson's contributions to professional football in the Carolinas are historic. With the arrival of the Panthers in 1995, he changed the landscape of sports in the region and gave NFL fans here a team to call their own. Absolutely right about that. NFL released a statement from Commissioner Roger Goodell. The NFL community is deeply saddened by the passing of Jerry Richardson. Carolina Panthers are a testament to his extraordinary and tireless dedication to the community, but his league-first attitude is seen as the leadership and seen through as leadership of numerous NFL committees, including the Stadium Committee, Management Council, Executive Committee, helped pave the way for a series of public-private stadium partnerships throughout the country and collective bargaining agreements that continue to support the growth of the game. Joe, you referenced this earlier when we found out the news at the beginning of the show that he had passed away. You know, that league-first attitude, right down to the literal shield on the football field that was taken out once David Tepper bought the team. Yeah, they had the NFL logo at midfield the entire time. Jerry mm-hmm. Richardson, Jerry Richardson played the NFL. He was on, you know, he played with Jer- Johnny Unitas, uh, dedicated very, pretty much his life to the league and in the money that he he had made playing football, he used and invested in restaurant chains. And he he had issues with those restaurant chains with mm-hmm. Hardee's and with Denny's, and uh, you know he had he has a checkered past. He has a checkered history of saying the wrong things, acting the wrong way. Yeah. And having to, you know, pay his employees basically to go away and be well, quiet. You say <laughs> you mentioned that he says the wrong things. You, Roger Goodell brought up the collective bargaining. You know, go Google Jerry Richardson and the collective bargaining meetings sure. and how he spoke to the players. He basically treated like Peyton Manning like he was a dummy. And again, it all came from a very singular focus of putting the league first, protect the shield, uh, old school in that nature. But I, we bring these things up not because. I mean, we bring these things up because you have to be fair about people's entire stories and their and, and their legacies. Sure. People, are, people are complicated. And the, the way that owners are kind of discussed in a lot of ways completely strips away any nuance or context and everything else. It's okay to recognize that Jerry Richardson brought one of the most impactful things to the state of North Carolina in terms of visibility, economic impact, and how we talk about things on a sports talk radio show on a daily 
basis. Yeah, okay. I mean, Charlotte's not half of the city that it is now Absolutely without not. the Panthers and without Jerry Richardson. Absolutely not. Absolutely, those not. are all fair points to make. But what if Joe? What if? Because during this time, Richardson Richardson didn't get an NFL team in the state of North Carolina with a lot of help from a lot of other business leaders. And Richardson, in order to prove a point of getting the Carolina Panthers here, helped or staged exhibition games in the state of North Carolina. There was an NFL exhibition game in 1989 at Carter-Finley Stadium. There was an NFL exhibition game at Keenan in 1990. And then 1991, there was one at Williams-Brice, South Carolina. Those games that took place here were in partnership with Capital Broadcasting. Jim Goodman's the CEO of Capital Broadcasting, had a relationship with Jerry Richardson and a relationship with other business leaders about bringing big-time athletics, big-time events to this area. And I recently highlighted this in A Brief History of Triangle Sports. New season is out now on the Raleigh-Durham Skyhawks. The Raleigh-Durham Skyhawks were a team that was owned by George Shin, who didn't have enough money to get an NFL team, but he wanted in on the action, so he got a minor league team, and he brought it to Carter-Finley Stadium in 1991. And that's the focus of the podcast. But in episode two, I had a focus of the what if, because there was a separate ownership group that was jockeying for position to bring an NFL team here, not just Jerry Richardson. And that ownership group was run by our CEO, Jim Goodman. I talked to the former vice president of the sports group. In other words... My boss's boss's boss. I think that's the the management tree. My boss's boss's boss. Hables recently retired. Awesome dude. And I asked him, like, just how serious of a consideration was Raleigh for the Carolina Panthers versus Charlotte while Jerry Richardson was the one with the money and having the most traction? Any, any competition between Raleigh and Charlotte aside – we were just super enthusiastic about the effort to bring the NFL here. And so, I mean, that first game wasn't until 1995, mm-hmm. but, you know, it was pretty much a 10-year effort. And and we were we were on the bandwagon back in the late 80s with the, with the uh, exhibition game at Carter-Finley and with the exhibition game at Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, uh I mean, we made a big deal out of it. We built radio networks for Richardson Sports and promoted the heck out of it. Was there a consideration for the area, or was Charlotte at the time when in this 10-year process always something that he wanted to do? Just how serious was this area as an NFL market? I don't think that um, this effort was under serious consideration. Okay. I mean, our, our CEO... Jim Goodman mm-hmm. took a couple of swings at that, um, trying to keep Raleigh on the map. But um, I, I think it was um, it was centered on Charlotte. It was always centered because, on Charlotte because Charlotte um, uh, Charlotte was ahead of us mm-hmm. in in market size, um, and. I guess the Hornets had done really well. That you know they created this regional market instead of instead of a team having to be based in just a big metropolitan area in a big city. Mm-hmm. They they created this idea that a team would draw from a a region from 150 miles around, mm-hmm. and that and they sold that to the NBA, and it worked. I mean the Hornets 
were a screaming success. Oh yeah. And and so Richardson comes in on the um you know, the tail of that or mm-hmm. in the wake of that and makes the same argument with something even more significant, the NFL. And um and he had he had the money mm-hmm. behind him, had the money to get it done. I feel like this is a consistent theme when it comes to bringing professional sports to our market. You need a dude with money. Like we saw this with MLS, right? Uh, David Tepper comes in and he just has billions of dollars to throw at MLS to get a team while you've got NCFC and our involvement with NCFC as a company. There's there's no there's no capital B billionaire that can throw money at it. We got a couple millionaires, but no big B billionaire that really wants a sports team here. I mean, is it as simple as that sometimes? I think it is. And Charlotte, I mean, not only did you have Jerry Richardson, his money, mm-hmm. his company, and now he actually, he wasn't in Charlotte, really. He, I think his company was based in Spartanburg. Mm-hmm. But the point is, it was there. Yeah. <laughs> That's where that the money and power was in that region, that corner of North Carolina and that, that piece of South Carolina. And, um, and you had the, the big banks mm-hmm. and I think the bank, the, the banks in Charlotte made a huge deal to that. That's not something we had. No, nah, no. And I hate to poor mouth Raleigh. We've got the fan base for any of this. Stuff. Mm-hmm. We haven't had the corporate layer. That's George Hable. He was the VP of the sports group here at Capital Broadcasting. He's on his way to retirement. And if you want to hear more of that conversation about the what if, a more detailed story of how the Carolina Panthers came to be, rather than the typical bullet points you'll get on a website, you'll want to check out episode two of A Brief History of Triangle Sports on the Raleigh-Durham Skyhawks. Episode four came out yesterday. That features Tony Haynes, who was actually the sideline reporter for the Raleigh-Durham Skyhawks, and he had a front row seat to a lot of misery. (laughs) A lot of misery, and it wasn't just for the football team. Uh, you got to remember, you're you're playing in some buildings that don't get NFL teams. You get the minor league team, and the conditions were not great. And Tony's got some interesting stories about that time, including some of the uh, the toll of an 0-10 season on their head coach, Roman Gabriel. So check out A Brief History of Triangle Sports, Raleigh Durham Skyhawks, wherever you get your podcast. I would appreciate it if you give us, give us the five stars. Your heart, it's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice.